bureaucratic. This is an event. Hey, this is Golf Club. Hey, what's up? It's Castor. Hey, this is Stylist. Hey, what's up? This is Cofresi. Hey, this is Jack London. Hey, this is Kiva. This is Cloud Cord. What's up? This is Wicked the Instigator. This is Jesse Breda. Hey, this is Jason Hand. Hey, this is Father Funk. Hey, this is Dunks from the Funk Hunters. This is Encanti. What's up, y'all? This is Unlimited Gravity. This is MCG. This is Max Future. Yeah, listen to the Green Room Podcast. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Co Paris, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. This is Fleming Coses, and you are listening to Green Room Podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Green Room Podcast. This is the first episode that we've put out since the coronavirus quarantine that's been happening around the world. Uh, and we here at Green Room Podcast are also quarantined. And we thought we would use this as an opportunity to put out some different and more unique content than what we normally do. So we're going to kind of deviate from our normal episodes here and put out some new stuff, starting with an interview today. And then we have a lot of other cool stuff planned for you guys over the next couple weeks or a couple months, however long this all lasts. Uh, anyway, today we have an interview with one of our friends, Devon Hunter, who is a virologist and works really closely in the public health sector. And she's here to answer all the important questions re regarding the coronavirus. So without further ado, here she is. What's up, everybody? Thank you again for joining us on GRP. While we sit here in the quarantine, we've got a really cool guest with us today. She goes by Devon Hunter. She's a super homie of mine. We're stoked to have her on today. How you doing, Devon? Good. How are you guys? Good, good. Hanging good. out in the studio. Um, what were you just up to today? Um, I just got done teaching. I'm a TA currently while I go to school at uh, the U of M, and I TA intro to biology for undergrads. So oh, very cool. Teaching our lab today. Mm -hmm. What are you? What is your goal in grad school? Um, well, to finish first, oh, that would be great. Um, <laughs> I, my goal would be to finish the PhD and then hopefully uh, counsel part time as a genetic counsel and then do some research in the okay. lab. Mm -hmm. What would that entail exactly? Yeah, so um, my background is in public health and epidemiology. I got my uh, master's in public health here from the University of Minnesota, and I'm getting my genetic counseling degree also, um, which is a master's of science, and I'm applying to do a PhD in genetics. And what all that kind of means is I'm wanting to be a genetic counselor, where basically if you have uh, any type of illness that might have a genetic component, meaning that uh, your genes are driving whether or not you will get that, you would come and see me about testing. And I would like to see patients like that and uh, get to research and make great tests to try and find those things for them. That's awesome. I think I was talking to you when you, when we were hanging out sort of recently about maybe one for, um, was it Alzheimer's or dementia that you were working on or does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're um uh I'm interested in neurological diseases specifically is my interest. Um a lot of the Huntington's, Alzheimer's, ataxia, all all that good oh, cool. stuff, lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. Um, okay, so I guess we'll just go into kind of what we wanted to talk to you about here on and of course everybody yeah, kinda knows. I think a lot of people there's some questions we're about to uncover here that will help a lot of bored people at home. Try to figure out what's going on. I just kind of want to hear it from the, from the horse's yeah. mouth. I well, want to know too. that the person I'm hearing this from knows what the fuck they're talking about. Right. I am so sick of reading alarmist 
Facebook page posts or like Uh the opposite of alarmist Facebook page posts when everybody on the planet thinks that they're an epidemiologist or something. Right. Everybody thinks they've they've read one article and they're right or their friend told them something. So everybody, you can shut the fuck up with your armchair diagnosis because this is the real real. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We got we got Devon Hunter on here. She knows what she's talking about. Okay, so. Let's talk about the very first thing that I think I see the most in all of this. I really want to know what you think about this. Everywhere mm-hmm. I go, I see this claim of, why is everybody so scared? It's just like the flu, or it's not even as bad as the flu. In your opinion, your very educated opinion, how do you feel about that? If I had to boil it down to a short answer, it's uh, yes. It is worse than the flu, and if we're just looking at it from numbers, it is worse than the regular influenza and the normal spikes that we see. Um, When I say worse, it's worse in the fact that it does hospitalize more people, it looks like, than the flu does. And um, it also does kill more. For a good example, the mortality rate on the flu is one in a thousand. I usually die from that. So that means for every thousand people who get the flu, one person will die. And we're seeing with this uh, COVID right now, uh, which we think is an underrepresented number, but uh, more of one in every hundred. So just on those two alone, it is uh, worse than the flu. Okay. Um, Sort of, if we could go a little bit into what you say would maybe be the long answer of this. I'm interested Mm -hmm. in maybe a little bit of shop talk on, Mm -hmm. on, on that topic. Yeah, go for it. No, from you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I, I don't have much to offer here. I just want to, I want to know some more. Maybe I've seen those numbers online and stuff. I, I completely. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Kind of like maybe what goes into that and how we're yeah, like maybe figuring how that out. We're figuring. Yeah, exactly. No, that that's a really good question. Um, so the biggest thing that right now we first want to find out is how many people have it. And um, there's, a couple of things in this whole process that we track as epidemiologists. And so mortality is the end. So to kind of bring it first, we think about if somebody were to get it and then be able to pass it on to somebody, how many people would they then infect? How long will it take them to get um, infectious? You know, uh, how long after being exposed to it, do they then have the ability to pass it on? So, we like to first calculate this number called an R naught, and that takes into account uh, all these kind of combinations. And so, what scares us the most about this one is that, unlike the flu, it does seem to last on surfaces for a longer amount of time than the flu does. So, that's something that's really kind of freaking us out because it's not, it's kind of never going away. So, and initially, we thought that a lot of people were getting infected from people coughing on each other and stuff. But now we're starting to see, especially in Italy and China, that a lot more of those actual people who are getting infected were due to touching some type of contaminated surface later on. Mm. So that right there scared a lot of us. That's <laughs> you know, super scary lab. for sure. Yeah. Do we know, yeah. like... I've heard some different rumors about statistics in regards to the incubation period of this mm-hmm. virus in particular. And I've heard some absurd numbers like that. You can have it for like two years before you show symptoms of it. But I've also heard estimates of like two mm-hmm. weeks, which is why, you know, everyone was like, okay, hey, you know, work is called off for two weeks for now. Yeah. Everybody kind of has like this two week 
number that they're throwing well, out Well, I think that's everything. some fucking bullshit where well, people are like, we need the economy to keep going. But, yeah. you know, anyway, um, what do you think about, or what have you, what do you know on, on a professional level about, about something like that? No, that's a really good question, too. It's the two years, first of all, is no. <laughs> it may stay in your body in the sense where that's how we build immunity. So there is some low levels either either can last or we get some memory that allows ourselves to but in two years you'll not still be actively infecting somebody. But two weeks is more of the accurate thing. And that was based off of what we've seen with how this whole virus has been characterized. So when it does uh, when somebody does seem to be positive, it takes about two weeks for seeing before they're done still shedding the virus. So since they start shedding and when I say shedding that's when the virus has infected so many of your cells that it's kind of in all of your saliva, it's in all of your skin cells. And that's what we talk about the droplets. And then the more the virus that's in you, the higher amounts you shed, and that makes you more contagious. Okay. And we, and so that's what we talk about getting worried about these people in this asymptomatic. So even though you may not be having symptoms, usually people are only really contagious when they have a fever or like we're seeing with old SARS and MERS, if you were coughing and had a fever, then you were shedding enough to infect other people. But with COVID, we're seeing you can be that period where you're not even seeing symptoms and it usually never goes beyond two weeks and you could be totally fine, but still shedding it and be contagious. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, and that's that's why, as I understand, they're encouraging everyone to stay inside because right. people who are like, oh, I'm Hercules. I've got right. the immune system of, of the Herc. You know, like they could infect people who don't. Right. And it's, it seems yeah. to be the general consensus is a lot of the people like in our our demographic, our age group, people basically up to like mid, their mid 60s are probably going to be OK from what I've read. But it's the, mm-hmm. the big danger um, generation of the people, you know, the senior citizens. So you don't want to be basically shedding this virus uh, around and in, in bringing it to the people who are kind of in the danger mm-hmm. zone there. Right. So that's the big that's yeah. the big scare. So a lot of people might I, I especially think of myself when I was like 17, 18, like, oh, even even in my mid 20s, like, oh, like I'm, I'm you know, OK with this. Like, I'm not going to get the symptoms. I'll probably be fine. But a well, lot of people are like... Look at the beaches like, in Florida exactly, right now. Like, exactly. Like, are you shitting me? Exactly. So I think a lot of people have that mindset out there, but uh, it is kind of important to try to stay inside and, and limit your social interactions because you don't want to give it to somebody yeah, who has course. a compromised immune system or who is a little bit older, who's I mean, a we're bit doing this remotely with Devon right now, you know, right, because, right. you know, <laughs> it's smarter. We're not going to talk... We're not going to invite... You know, it wouldn't be super smart to... Yeah. Yeah. And so Megan and I, we personally, we've been hanging out um, a lot. We've been hanging out a lot here at the studio, but, but like really our interactions with people are very, very limited. And I never touch Pat. He's gross. (laughs) A lot of people, you know, a lot of people share that same sentiment. (laughs) (laughs) That's hysterical. (laughs) Boom. Self-roasted. Wait, really? Oh Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Um, Okay. Here's a question that I have. So now that we're talking about this, this is a big point of contention with people right now, especially in the Midwest where things aren't in lockdown like they are in a lot of of other parts of the United States, which I'm kind of seeing are the coasts, you know, like Uh where we're receiving a lot of um, influx and 
just you get a lot of travel. It's a lot of spots for like uh, yeah. There's a lot of turnaround for and, people coming in and out, yeah, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. So this big debate that I see happening online, sort of right now as well, is is it okay to go on a walk outside? Is it okay to go on a hike? And and even national parks right now are waiving their fees until indefinitely until the foreseeable future to allow people to practice social distancing in a more yeah to get out of, get out of the house right um but th- then at the same time you know i'm seeing people who are like just stay the fuck inside yeah. so i'm kind of wondering like what yeah, do you think right? about that yeah. no i get that you get like three extremes yelling at you and you just want to find this intermediate and you don't know what is right i i even myself i go on and i get confused a walk is fine um there's nothing wrong with that at all. You don't need to stay inside. In fact, I think it's a great way of getting people outside and it's easy, even with the amount of people that are staying home, to still stay that six feet away. So I think that's great and would continue to encourage that. And the people that are yelling to stay home just are taking it a little too seriously, which, you know what, isn't too bad in this, but you don't need to listen to them in that. And as long as you're still doing the six feet, it's totally fine. Yeah. Now I've heard some people out there and I've seen some like Facebook posts and whatnot of people freaking out like, oh, my God, my neighbors are having people over. You know, there's like 10 people over at my neighbor's house. You should probably not be doing that, right? You probably shouldn't. But again, too, being in public health, there's always this thing that we talk about when we have these sanctions go down where people we have what we want to happen and the ideal. But then we have what's going to actually happen. Right. And. Of course, there are going to, not everyone's going to follow it. Usually, if we're, you really need to hang out under, we say keep it to six, just because we know statistically then you have a lower likelihood at that number of passing or having somebody that has it. Right. So that's just where that number came from. If it's 10 relatively healthy people, maybe like around under the age of 60 or something, I mean, it's not awful. You don't need to go call the cops. It might be a frown on, but it's not the end of the world, too. <laughs> right. Have right. we ever in history, I, I don't know if anyone knows this, but have we in history as in the last, say, 100 years had an instance where we were quarantined to any degree or where um, they did a ban on public gatherings in terms of numbers? No. We're all very young. This is the first? This is the first. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's actually what I think is that you guys kind of touched on it earlier. And I think with the the younger kids and the reason it has shut down too, is that as you share everything, you find out new information every single day, even the people that are on the front lines doing the surveillance, but it, it is really nasty. It does spread very fast. It can stay like a little rat everywhere forever. And it doesn't take much of it to get sick. And the people that do get sick, it does hospitalize a decent amount of people, even that are our age, you know, as you see the numbers coming out of Italy, I think it was like 20 to 30 percent were still hospitalized in our age range from right. the 25 to 60. Right. And that's where you kind of see this whole like curve business come on because it's just we just don't have enough stuff out there for it. So we just weren't prepared for all of this. That's why also it kind of became a shutdown because this really was something that we always would joke about that the big next big epidemic was always um, going to be an influenza or some type of upper, upper respiratory, like a Corona. 
so it was kind of we were talking about it and then it just kind of happened and they realized with quickly that we had to shut everything down it just goes yeah the numbers were scary right i've been seeing uh i don't know if anyone saw the video that anonymous posted uh like a couple weeks ago or or something but they made an announcement as per usual about how anonymous is going to work or keep encouraging people to make good decisions in terms of not spreading it, et cetera. But they did show a clip of a video that I believe was taken in Italy. And I, I know it was definitely to sort of fear monger us into taking more care and staying inside and being more conscious about all of this because I didn't even see it when someone told me about this and it sparked the fear of fucking God in me. Uh, it was just a video yeah. of this guy that was on his cell phone and he was talking, he was FaceTiming someone else and you can see his dead sister sitting in a chair behind him about 20 feet because at a certain point in Italy, they stopped retrieving dead bodies because of the um, uh-huh. amount of infections that were being caused by just going to even try to save people for, as far as like law enforcement and emergency services were going. They just decided, they just said, yep. you know, if your family member dies, sorry, we can't pick them up. They're there. You know, you have to go somewhere else essentially. And that was just yeah. jaw-dropping for me and has made me definitely reconsider how much I think about staying inside and making sure that I'm not giving it to anyone who is immunocompromised right. and being smart about myself as well. But um, I guess yeah. the last question I wanted to ask you personally uh, was uh-huh. how long do you think this is going to last, this quarantine? Uh-huh. The epidemiologist number in me is the quarantine two months. Um, I think the realist in me think it'll the last at max a month, but it should be a two month thing. That's by the time we would have viable information about decent drugs that would be able to uh, slow this from our antiviral clinical trials, but. I don't know if that's going to happen with the current state of things. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a band to get lifted. Yeah, later. it sounds, what you no. say sounds extremely realistic to me. Yeah, and that, that's, that's, that's what, what I've been I'm, thinking. That's what I'm preparing for is a couple of months, like maybe maybe early summer, mid-summer, when we kind of get back out there. But now let me ask you this. Is it going to be when we when they lift this um, kind of quarantine or, you know, the safe and sheltered, um, I guess, uh acts that they put into place in some states and I think our state is not too far behind is it going to be because the virus has kind of spread thin or is it going to be because we found a vaccine for it yeah so you're cl- the only thing that it would be that so that the thing that would slow it is an antiviral would be what slows it we're not going to have a working vaccine at least until 15 months from now. Really? So, wow. Yeah. There's a certain protocol, even though it is an emergency status, that they were able to um, kind of quicken the pace of getting the initial trial, rolled out the human trials for the first COVID-19 vaccine, which they're trying out in Seattle, Washington currently. Okay. But it still has a set amount of processes that it has to go through before it can be um, administered on a national level. Right. And then even by the time that it gets verified, it's going to then take about another six months to get enough of the supply 
for what we'll need for everybody. So that's why that'll still take so long. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have an antiviral. I, what it seems just from looking this morning, we're on some good path with a lot that we have well in stock. But again, who knows? Because yeah. we're running out of a lot of things in so, the hospital. So this wouldn't, it wouldn't be a, a future vaccine that all newborns would be mm-hmm. getting. It wouldn't be that. It's a, it's a different type of treatment. We would hopefully have that. That's what it would be, just a full-on. We would probably, as the time would come out, is we would initially get everyone vaccinated just for the safety, but going forward and in, in, in incorporating it into the newborn vaccine schedule, we'd have to see first maybe when would be the best time because a lot with those newborns, they also have to see if there's a certain time that they should introduce that virus to the child's immune system. So. Right. They would do more research on that. But yeah, initially everybody, regardless, would probably be encouraged to get it. Okay. Um, Now I have another question for you and Mm -hmm. I think to help kind of clear up some confusion because I think we've all seen, um, you know, the Instagram pictures out there and memes and whatnot of liquor stores Mm -hmm. that just have everything taken away from it except for Corona. So obviously people out there are dumb because they're affiliating Corona, the beer, Mm -hmm. with the virus. But coronavirus itself this is not a new name can you kind of explain to us what a coronavirus is and why this is corona or covid-19 mm-hmm. yeah so um a coronavirus is a group of related viruses so just like humans viruses have different kinds of them so it's kind of think of it as different ethnicities of viruses okay and um so, for example, coronaviruses are, they are ones that specifically cause uh, respiratory tract infections. And that's how we actually name these viruses, usually by their shape and what they kind of look like. And then what cells they seem to preferentially infect when they do infect us. Mm-hmm. And so, corona comes from its shape. It has this, like, morphology of these kind of, like, club-shaped little uh, guys. I'm sure you've seen all, like, the little viral pictures of it it looks right. like these like little chuffs coming out of it and it kind of they called it the look of a corona um which was kind of this like shape of this uh thing of it so that's where it really got its name but it is a virus that specifically only was, uh, attaches to upper respiratory tract cells so that's why it's so prevalent in the lungs and everything but we mm. have seen it before we actually see it all the time right um it causes the common cold it's one of the most uh, common reasons for the common cold, along with the rhinoviruses. And so the other time, though, that we've seen it this bad, though, is SARS, which is severe acute respiratory syndrome, which is also caused by a coronavirus, and um, MERS, which is Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. Both were um, basically smaller scales of COVID-19 right now. Mm-hmm. And, and they are more lethal, actually, too. But that is where they kind of all get that name from. But this one is a little scarier just because of how it spreads, right? So that was a little harder to – those were a little harder to contract from my understanding, right? Yes. So it's actually kind of ironic because this is where the numbers – and this is probably where I see it hurts my soul as an epidemiologist as quickly as people um, misuse these numbers because it is harder to contract MERS and SARS. But – Usually the ones that are harder to contract kill a lot more. And it's true, SARS and MERS kill almost 10%. I mean, the last time it popped up in 2012, I think, is um, 
it took out about like 12% of the Middle East. It was a really deadly over there. So they do kill more, but it's harder to get them. And so that's actually what so um, kind of funky about the numbers with COVID-19, because it's just COVID-19 as in they numbered it. So there's a COVID-1 through 18, and some of those it might have been even the common cold. And so this is just a type of disease that manifests from this virus. And we, um, <coughs> sorry, oh, okay. you got um, it. but yeah. I know, right? Every time I cough. We gotta go. We're just we gotta go. All right. Yeah, it's over the phone, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's mutated that fast. But, mm-hmm. but, sorry, and I'm getting on a tangent, but the reason why we're so scared about that is even though the numbers are flipped, it doesn't kill as many, it does infect more, and it does have more severe illness in those that it infects compared to SARS and, um, or SARS and MERS. Okay. That sounds so like a really shitty would you rather. Yeah. Would right? you rather and get SARS or COVID? Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, if we had enough respirators and everything, anyone who came to the hospital would probably pull through from it, and we could probably get it under the 1%, but we just don't have enough, which is why we have those freaky videos coming out of Italy where right. nobody's getting help. And in the end, that would be contribute to the true mortality rate, I guess, of the virus. Have there right. been, like, any countries who have especially handled this really well right off the bat like i've heard thailand has yeah. we've heard thailand has um or excuse me we'll back this up but yeah i i was discussing the other day about how we haven't heard anything about thailand and mm-hmm. somebody said it's because they've addressed this and we're more prepared than almost any other asian country yep uh them in singapore actually um they both were very on top of it uh, after, like I said, the last big SARS outbreak was 2012, mm-hmm. um, right. they got hit pretty hard. It wasn't as public as, but they they remembered after that. So they put in some pretty severe sanctions, public health sanctions. And so once uh, news of it started to spread of a SARS-like virus matriculating in Wuhan in January and February, they started putting stuff in right away. So Singapore actually has done amazing I think they might be the best, and then it's Thailand. And then the other who has actually done better um, with a more delayed reaction is Germany. Um, they have quite a great public health care system in place, so it makes sense with it. But they are still struggling with the capacity to treat every single person that needs treatment. But they are keeping it relatively well controlled. That's crazy That's to cool. be able to react like that. So I yeah. guess SARS was sort of their Katrina Right, right. That's their first, uh, it was their lesson, more or less. I mean, yeah, yeah like after Katrina happened, we went ham with, yeah, for you know, putting in uh, what, levies and, yeah, yep. making yep. sure this would never happen again, at least in NOLA, and, and still rebuilding from that. And I'm sure they're experiencing the same exact thing from the last time they went through this. So they're like, fuck no, we're not doing that shit yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So Well, all of these end up, yeah, usually originating. SARS originated from China, again, same thing. And MERS, they assume, was some type of... Um, traded meat from china so i think that area is getting the brunt of it <laughs> right uh so let why me you ask you that, really quick what, pat yeah. why do you think that is necessarily so we can dispel racist rumors yeah. also about yes. this bullshit oh that bothers me it could be anywhere the only it's a combination of the fact that china still is one of the few countries that also is as modernized that has open markets like that where humans are that closely exposed to raw like animal kills or something like that where you can get 
a human or a zoonotic virus transmission where it jumps from an animal to a human, which is what it did here. And they're always a lot worse, which is why we were so worried about this. Mm. And um, so that was China is uniquely that area. And then also it is unique because China just happens to be the epicenter of every business in the entire world. So Mm. everything is coming out. So now knowing what we know about how long it lasts on surfaces, how many people come in and out of there, it just happens to be a hub. It has nothing to do with China. It could have been there if Thailand was a hub, honestly, anywhere that still has these open meat markets. Right. And statistically, just there's more people there. So, I mean, more of the population happens to be there. So statistically, it does have a higher chance, I guess, if you were just to like... Totally. Chance, and I wonder, you know? is it yep. is it climactically uh, related as well, Devon? Like, do these viruses kind of thrive in a warmer environment as opposed to is there is there a threshold for like when they where they survive and where they breed best in terms of temperature? Yeah, um, actually, there's a lot of diseases. The flu is actually a really great example. That's why we see it dip for some reason in the summer and we have flu seasons because there's something about the warm human climate that doesn't allow it to foster uh, properly. With this COVID, it uh, doesn't seem to be affected, which is why we're even more nervous about that. But um, what's your question again? Um, just if temperature sort of affects the oh. spread. and um, So, no, and it, it doesn't. But um, this one seems, what we've noticed about it is that uh, there are viruses, right, and bacteria always around us, and our immune system is what keeps us from, like, getting overcome by them. What it is specifically why a lot of them do seem to come out of China, it's not that it's necessarily a warm thing. It's just that, again, too, they have this, I'm sure you've seen it, maybe, like, it's got matriculated around. It's this little animal that kind of looks like an aardvark um, in an anteater, and I blanking on the name of it but it has a coronavirus that just naturally uh, occurs in that type of animal i can think of it right now it's a such as a pea yes uh, and so a puffin no like a pad <laughs> a padawan or a, uh yes platypus? it's something like that padulin or something platypus Palat, pa- no i'm not a fucking idiot it's something weird <laughs> that is weird have you seen a platypus they're yes, so they weird are fucking weird but no 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 we got to remember what this is called it's called a... Uh, look it up. I you know, got a computer. I'm trying to look it up. Uh, well, while Megan's looking that up, I have a couple questions for you, or I have one question for you. You okay. mentioned um, kind of jokingly earlier about it mutating. And mm-hmm. so my question is, are we seeing it, A, are we seeing it mutating? And B, is it possible that some of us may have already been exposed to coronavirus this past fall without knowing it uh, because it wasn't an epidemic? For example... I had one coworker who took a trip to South Korea, I want to say in like October. And when she came back, she got the flu really bad. And over the course of like two months, we all started to kind of, uh, everybody who worked at the restaurant started to get the flu really bad. But it was weird because about three weeks after we had symptoms of like three or four days, it would kind of come back a little bit. And everybody thought that was kind of a weird like double-edged mm-hmm. flu is it possible that maybe she brought coronavirus back from South Korea before it was such a pandemic or epidemic and we just didn't know it and it's mutated now and it's much worse? Is that, or is that just like conspiracy theory? Coincidental. Yeah. No. So you, you, I just wanted to make sure I covered all your points because you brought up a lot of actually good points. So your first, sorry, I forget because I have the smallest memory. Um, (laughs) 
it, have we seen it mutate? Yes, we've already seen, and do we have um, evidence of that? We've seen it mutate three times out of Wuhan, and we have also seen the virus mutate twice in Italy. We're supposing there's probably a fourth strain. Um, it has not been confirmed yet, but we did see out of the second mutated strain in Wuhan is where we started seeing more asymptomatic carriers, where there were people who were totally fine. And if they had this mutated strain, they seemed to be actually contagious earlier on, actually four hours after coming exposed to the virus mm-hmm. and shedding at higher levels than the flu. So we have seen mutation. It does freak us out. Um, a mutation, usually they're smart. The thing about viruses, they all they want to do is adapt. So right. every time it mutates, it's getting smarter. Right. And it mutates faster the more people it can jump between. So that's why we get worried about how it moves and it would mean worst case scenario, the test that we had to look for it would be um, not good anymore. We want to be able to find all strains. Right. And so that's, yes, we've seen it. And that is another concern and goes into the fear of why we like, we're really, a lot of us in the epidemiology community were behind the shutdown is that scared us quite a bit. Right. And then to answer your next question of earlier on, so, honestly, it wasn't COVID-19, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't another coronavirus because these guys are everywhere. And the only reason I can say so confidently that it wasn't COVID-19 specifically is so this is actually where my research comes in is I am a geneticist, but I also do a lot of viral epidemiology and I sequence a lot of the viruses. My specific is in CMD, but when you sequence these, viruses, you can see where they originate from. And we were able to get um, what we supposed as patient zero, um, the first person that was uh, contracted coronavirus, and we were able to see the lineage of it and trace it back to a transmission between a bat, and then we're still trying to figure out the species of the animal, but we can trace back to the date um, from looking at the virus from all the samples okay. and get a good idea of when it actually uh, arose. And so, so we feel pretty confident so about the January. January. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I had so mm-hmm. I had read that uh, they called it COVID nineteen for coronavirus disease nineteen because they found it in twenty nineteen. Is that is that may is that false news? Well, or she fake said news? No. So it there. A lot goes into a number sometimes, and they'll go out of order. There's not a lot of rhyme or reason when we get numbers sometimes. Um, and so the COVID-19 was supposed to be kind of describing the more phenotype of what arises from it, the, the symptoms. Yeah. So it was, that was when the bell was first rang. And so most of us would assume it probably more came like, we might have been seeing something similar or it came right around that January, end of December time. Yeah. And maybe we're off by a couple because it's not perfect, but I could think maybe we're off by a couple, four weeks or so, which does dip us in the 19. And I do think that that was something I heard too where it went into the number. But I do know that there's also a bunch of other COVID before that. Right. So, so but you don't, um, you, you, that's don't not fake, you don't think that uh, that weird flu that, I was getting and all my coworkers were getting mm-hmm. back in October, November, December. That wasn't COVID-19. So you could kind of pinpoint no. that that was like early January, maybe late December when the uh, mm-hmm. first human contracted that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So just to clear we, that we up for everybody. Because I've heard that from a lot of people like, oh, I, th- 
I had the flu really bad this year. I think I've already been exposed to it. So that dispels all those myths. No, like we can, and the way we decide that is when we see that it transmitted from a bat COVID or a coronavirus to a human coronavirus. Yeah. We can see when it switches species. So that's how we tell and date that. And gotcha. speaking of species. Did you find that name? Pangolin. I thought of it. Pangolin? Yeah. There. Yeah. P-A-N-G-O-L-I-N, right? So it's like penguin. It's yes. like a puffin. I was kind of right. Pangolin. Oh, there we go. Boom. That's a kid. They're that's cute. A, they showed a child. There you go. Oh, they that look, is. They're sort of like these armadillo anteater hybrid clusterfucks. It looks like something I'd run over in the American Southwest on a highway. America. They're very prevalent. They're almost like the raccoons of that area more. So they're very common and they're everywhere. And you have to think there's a place with a, you brought up a great point. One of the, I think it's the most populated country in the world or behind maybe India, but it's yeah. that big hub has a lot of outdoor markets, a lot of traffic in and out of there. And then that animal specifically, it's not that just it's hot down there. It's that animal specifically is very common. And it happens to be, just by chance, the animal that has a coronavirus that is very similar to a human coronavirus. So it can skip over very easily. Oh, okay. That's super interesting. interesting. Was that, very so that was like a huge point of um, surprise as well in like 1989 when the Ebola was first brought over here, but it ended up being uh, um, a strain only contractable by monkeys. But it was really scary Uh because it was airborne. They had brought over like, I I read this in the hot zone and then got obsessed with Richard Preston when I was like fucking 16 or something. And... Um, oh yeah. When I googled this because it freaked me out that the year I was born, 1989, we happened to import a shit ton of chimpanzees from the Philippines and one of them had Ebola. And I don't think they I think one of them they knew they notoriously had known that it was sick. It looked obviously very sickly and it died like shortly upon arrival and they didn't really think a ton of it until every other monkey in the facility which wasn't in in the room with it at all also died. Really? And that really freaked everyone the fuck out because they realized it was airborne at that moment and oh. somehow and it was from, you know, the closest species on the planet to us. Right. has an airborne version of this. So there could have been I mean that's just a very freaky th- thing about that, but um it freaked me out in terms of this because I just kind of wondered we'd heard rumors about well, could dogs get it or like this and that and just kind of right. wondering yeah, that's a good how question. easily yeah. transferable it is between species. So not to freak you out after that whole hot zone, because I remember that book made me want to be an epidemiologist. Dude, me (laughs) too, me too. (laughs) I feel that. I loved that book. Yeah, it's like, and it's funny too, dude, everybody's watching fucking Outbreak. It's on the top 10, like, huge movies right now on Netflix. And I totally watched it the other day, and it's bomb. It super holds up. Yeah, but if, if all of you are really interested in what's going on, and you like a little bit of fiction, and you like virology and stuff, you should go pick up a book from Richard Preston. He did Demon in the Freezer about smallpox, mm-hmm. he, about chemical warfare, and then Hot Zone, which was yeah. Ebola, yada, yada. And if anyway. you want to pretend like you're a scientist and you can beat this, 
um, go on Amazon and buy the game Pandemic if you have a couple. We roommates. just got it. We just Did got you guys it. Get well, that? they didn't have the original <laughs> Pandemic. They only had Rapid Response. But like, oh, we well, got that's it what, well, that's where the era we're living in. Yeah, you yeah. got to come play, Devon. We got fucking well, uh, Pandemic. Well, after the after the Favorite shutdown. Game. Oh yeah, I, I'll see you in, in two months, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, dude, thank you so much for chatting with us. To leave on like a. A lighter note. Um, so you do lots of cool work, obviously. Is there anything particularly that comes to mind for you that you were particularly stoked about? Uh, for my work? Yeah, in, in grad school or just anything you've been researching lately that's exciting or interesting to you? Yeah, I I really do like, um, since starting the student counseling program, I've always kind of been a lab rat and I've done lots of research and I've always been interested in like kind of looking at how genetics not just in like the rare diseases but how everyday um diseases such as high blood pressure hypertension or cardiac uh, cardiac diseases is how kind of those that may have multiple different genetic effects kind of um are affecting people and if there's ways we can help that and now i'm kind of realizing working my genetic counseling program that there's starting to open up to be a lot of things for these uh, kind of multifactorial diseases, what we call, where um, things that cause or affect a lot of people, these very common diseases, but might have multiple different genetic effects. And it's just something that we're further kind of moving to in this era of precision medicine and more personalized medicine and helping people and seeing how their specific bodies are influencing the way they live. So that was a little tangenty, but that was that's exciting me the most yeah that's awesome. that's cool oh no. yeah that's awesome well cool. dude thank you so much for chilling with us and talking to us and setting some of our fears and rumors aside so that we can all get yeah. a little bit of grasp on which what's actually happening and what newsletters are being exchanged among yeah. people that actually and know what's going dis- on dispel here. that the whole word of mouth bullshit because there's bad oh, info. there's a lot of bad info out there you heard it here first oh, one more time so for the people in the back stay six feet away <laughs> You can go on walks. Yep. And um, plan to have your job back in like six yeah, weeks. Do about think about two months minimum. So and go yeah. go be creative in the meantime, you fucks. Yeah, and try not to you know learn how to cook. Learn how to cook. yeah learn how to cook people. Yeah, you idiots. Learn how to cook, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, thank you it. so much. We love you. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate your time, and I will talk to you super soon. Uh, bye guys thank you bye. thanks Devon bye right thanks again to Devon for jumping on the phone and answering all of our important questions and for all you guys out there listening be sure to follow us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date on uh, what we're going to do next because we're still trying to figure it out alright thanks guys have a good day